0: welcome to puzzling company your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries
1: here are your hosts jared and zach
2: well welcome back everybody It's good to be back, Zach. It
1: is. It is very nice to be back.
2: We had a little hiatus there due to some illness, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I really missed sitting down last week and talking about games. Yes. uh,
1: You know, sitting at home, playing video games and, you know, working on some secret projects that we have. You know, it's been fun, uh, but it's nice to be back in the office.
2: I agree. And I think it just comes to show the importance of... I think half of the game playing experience is talking about a game after you've played a game. Yes, agreed. I I would say everybody that listens to this loves to debrief, loves to talk about it. And I think that's something that is just enjoyable about games in general is the talk after. Mm -hmm. Well, we're happy to be sharing that with you guys. Today, we're going to be talking about Hink's Elevator from Bluefish Games. (gasps) A just a joyfully whimsical adventure, but we're going to jump on into the podcast. We'll see you in a sec.
1: Jared! Jared, 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 Jared! I found this really cool box outside. Can we please, please, please can we open it?
2: Are you out of your mind? Look what it says on the box. It literally reads, Root of All Evil. There's no way we're opening this box.
1: Oh, come on, Jared. What's the worst that can happen?
2: What's the worst that... Have you ever seen a horror movie? Listen, you don't split up your team... The basement is not a good hiding place, you don't give cute little creatures water, and above all, you don't open the mysterious and creepy box with the word evil on it. Please, Jared. No! But if you're listening and you have more guts than me, you should actually head over to crackanutmysteries.com and pick up a copy of Root of All Evil.
1: Um, Jared? I think I need to tell you something.
2: All right. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned before, we are talking about Hink's Elevator by Bluefish Games. And we had a lot of fun with this one, Zach. Yes, it was a a blast, to say the least. The word that kept coming to the top of our mind was joy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just was just fun. Yes. It was everything I think you could really, really want from a game. And, uh, we have sitting in our closet right now, Hink stairs mm-hmm. and the gazettes that they also make, and we're saving those for future episodes. Um, so we're simply going to stick to elevator today is mm-hmm. what we've decided. Um, But yeah, I I think you'll hear with what we're about to talk to and uh, the things that we really liked about our game and our constructive criticism that this is just a great game. This is this is one of those ones that I think we would very easily say, like anybody could pick this up.
1: Yes, I think that will be a very common phrase that we will talk about for this game. Yes.
2: So we're going to jump right in, talk about the three things that we really loved about this game. Zach, why don't you open us up?
1: Okay, so the first thing I think that we both really liked and something that I've talked about a lot in other games is simple story. Mm. This game is just a light hearted fun adventure that uh, reminds me of lots of like, what's a good comparison? Uh, oh, Willy I, Wonka and yeah, the chocolate factory. I, I
2: felt Willy Wonka during this game. Yes, it is a, a fun
1: adventure without spoiling anything of the game that you are trying to prove yourself like uh, to Mr. Hinks. Yes. Correct. And you're trying to solve all these different puzzles while going up different levels on an elevator. It is, it's just a blast. The, the puzzles were very well done. Um, the story was very like said lighthearted. There was nothing crazy or complex. It was just, hey, you're trying to prove yourself at every floor. There was a fun little narrative that made sense of why you're on that floor and the puzzles relating to it. So, you know, it might be on a floor where you're trying to figure out which room you're trying to go to, you know. And you get, a, you get a poster that shows you all the different rooms on the floor, but you're missing some. So you have to figure yes. out how you solve that and stuff like that. Yes. And then the ending, uh, the game was well done as well. It, it very much gave me that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when we finished. It was like, you did it. You've proven yourself worthy. And now, you know, you yeah. can put
2: your name on the, the list. It's, it's, it's just this really great, lighthearted adventure. Mm-hmm. The stakes are low. Yep. And I think when we were talking about flashback, so same idea, like, the stakes, like the stakes were a little bit higher, but like even the animation style of what's going on that helps drive the story is this is just, you know, you could play, if you had kids, you could play this with your kids. You could play this with your friends and the tone of it is just whimsical. Yes. Uh, and, uh, or, or maybe we can combine words, uh, whimsical. And it was a joicycle Joycicle. Joycicle. I, I like it. Cause the opposite is boy. <laughs> When, that was such a woy experience. What a woy experience! But I like Joycycle better. I do like Joycycle. Uh, and it, and it and it capitalized on that. But it, it but don't moving into kind of the the next part of what we liked. Like what really capitalized on this game is not just the tone, the narrative of this game. This is a great puzzle adventure. Yes. The what really stuck with us, and I still think about as because we have some of the puzzles posted up on our wall here, mm-hmm. is they did a wonderful job of puzzle masking. And what I mean by that, and we talk about this a lot when we talk about puzzle design is puzzles are designed for you to figure out what the puzzle is and then solve the puzzle. And they did a fantastic job on both accounts, but specifically on making you try to figure out what the puzzle is. It it, it landed some really serious aha moments for us in the best way. Mm-hmm. And what's, you can really tell a good puzzle because, you know, we talk about this too. You, there's not an infinite number of puzzle types. Yeah. The puzzle types that you encounter in here, they're not like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that puzzle type before. They were just really well executed in terms of their masking. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, I, I 100% agree with this statement.
2: Yeah. I'm just looking around and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that puzzle and this puzzle. And mm-hmm. um, and it was just top notch, top notch puzzle masking. Yes. What else, what else did we really finishing up what we loved about this game?
1: I mean, just with those things, like the puzzle quality and the materials used was just all very well done as, you know, yes, as well. There's a few objects that were kind of more paper, but they masked them really well to look like products you'd find throughout like a building, you know, when you're going up different elevator floors. You know, none of it felt you know that it it all felt super well done, and it was just all quality. the The other part of this, which we'll talk about a little bit as well, is there's an online component mm-hmm. that you must use to kind of send the floors. The website was very well done. I, I could not find really any. We maybe had like one minor thing with it, but at the end of the day, like the quality of like the the art style, I thought was really cool and really fit the theme. Yes, all the puzzles looked good. I mean. Yeah. I have no real complaints in the whole puzzle quality department.
2: Yeah. Again, just to reiterate what Zach is saying, like uh, specifically talking about like the puzzle materials, a lot of it is just really creatively and imaginably used paper products. Yep. And it's not uh, just white pieces of papers. It's I'm looking around the room, there's booklets, yep. there's maps, there's postcards, and it's all bright. I think that was the other thing, just from like a design, like they nailed the design aspect Agreed. of this game. And it and all of these things rolled together make a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Great puzzles, great puzzle masking, a light theme, and you they just hit. Even uh, This isn't even one of the things we have listed. Even their puzzle or even their hint system was really great. It made you tiered well. And I remember looking through it afterwards and thinking like, even this is on point. Yes. Like it is, it is just a, a really, a really great, easy game. Uh, not easy game, but just easy to it's um what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh it's palatable. Yeah. It's 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 so easy on the senses and it was just it was just fun to go through. Simple little adventure.
1: And it's interesting because if I remember correctly, talking to to the the creators a long time ago. Or I'd seen something about them posting about it. Is that I think this game was not originally created to be like a—that's like a great point—like a, point. like a family-friendly game great. or yep. like a very like new new player-friendly. Uh, that wasn't like the point at the time. It, you know um but it's it i think it's crazy that some of the best critiques i've seen about this game or reviews are basically saying that like you didn't create it for this but it's became this
2: yeah the, the tone is there for a new player and some i would say some of the puzzles might be a little challenging oh, for new players oh yeah um but but the tone and the scope and the design of it just screams this would be this would be fantastic for anyone like the market is Same flashback. Yeah. Like literally
1: it's my favorite. Like it's just another
2: perfect example of like a a simple game done extremely well. Agreed. Agreed. The nuances, every single part of it, like just executed fantastically. Agreed. Really the only thing that we, we only have one thing listed in the room for improvement section and it was incredibly minor. We, we did the online component on a uh, mobile device. Mm-hmm. and we ran into a few things where it just didn't feel like it was optimized. It it worked. Oh, absolutely. It yeah. was functional, but we ran into a few sections during the game where we were like, oh, this would have been easier to input or do part of a puzzle had this been on a computer. And we could have done it on a computer, but we also recognize that a lot of people do like to do all of their interneting, as I'll call it, mm-hmm. on their phone. And I feel like parts of that could be a little bit better optimized for those of us who are mobile, mobily inputting our answers and working through some of those puzzles.
1: Agreed, yeah. We only ran into it a few small points, like Jared said. I mean, it, it was great. I mean, the the website worked very well. It just, yeah, there was like a few, I think there was one specific puzzle that we ran into that felt a little odd trying to do it on a small screen. yes.
2: yes. But
1: the rest of it felt pretty genuinely good
2: yeah pretty genuinely good again and that's all we really have to say about this game like this is a very easy like high recommendation for us must play game yes because it just it's smooth it is very smooth it's smooth like it is just it's like the ride at disney world that you want to ride that you're like excited to ride and then you ride it and you're like dad that was a really good ride Mm -hmm. it is just uh I wish there were more games out there that were like this, and I know I'm hoping that Stairs is good. Obviously, we haven't played that yet. Yeah, I feel like we got to see aspects of the Gazette. Yes, in 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 this experience, but overall, this is just cool, joycycle, joycycle. Yes, this is just it's just a choice, smooth game that you could easily hand to anyone, and I think you should hand to anyone. Like this, is a great gift. Mm-hmm. Great oh, gift yeah, game. great gift game. Uh, For the person that is the intense puzzler, and that's the last part we'll shout out before we move into the thing. This, for the intense puzzler, this game is just a fun game and it's enjoyable. For the new player, I think it is an invitation into something deeper and it's just a game for anyone. It's just a great game for anyone. Mm -hmm. That's it. So obviously you guys can tell that we're high off this game. We loved it. We're excited to play more from them. We're going to take a quick break and come back at you with puzzles to the people.
0: Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People.
2: I'm over it. Over what? Christmas. People can't let this holiday go, man. I'm still receiving Christmas-themed mail. Look at this red envelope I got yesterday.
1: Jared, you are so uncultured.
2: Uncultured? Because I refuse to celebrate Christmas year-round?
1: No, you're uncultured because, one, that color is scarlet, not red, and two... Because that envelope is jam-packed with puzzles and mysteries. Scarlet Envelope features escape room-style experiences that you may receive every month in the mail. Each episode features a different story, but all their experiences are tied together in a bigger narrative that you were trying to unravel.
2: I think I could get down with Christmas all year.
1: Well, head on over to scarletenvelope.ca to start your adventures today. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. So we're actually going to be going into our segment that's called Puzzles to the People. In this segment, this is generally a place where we take people's reviews. Uh Jared sometimes spices it up to say the minimum. Spicy. Uh, by basically asking me questions or showing me reviews of the games and asking me to agree or disagree. Kind of I get to start it and then he gets to kind of either rebuttal it or agree with me afterwards and kind of just have like a back and forth of like a, you know, is this review or slash comment correct
2: yeah again this is uh, we're gonna throw a curveball at you today because I think we would just be with agreeing with a lot of reviews that we read out there to say like yeah this is a great game this <laughs> yes, is, a, this this is, is a, great thank you so I kind of like uh, switching it up a little bit and today we're gonna be talking about something that is adjacent to what we've talked about a couple episodes ago which is narrative but today we're gonna be talking about theming okay because that is for me personally what just strikes me most about this game is This game is just so on point in terms of theme and its ability to broadly reach an audience. Agreed. Um, So, we're going to keep it short and sweet today because I don't want to miss any time with Ace and Anna of Bluefish today. Mm -hmm. But, my first question is this is directly to you. I don't want you to answer on behalf of what you think a majority of people are going to do. But, when you are choosing a game, and I don't, and I want to open this up beyond just what we're when you play a video game, a different types of board game. Any, any kind yeah. of experience, yeah. Does theme matter to you when you choose that game?
1: Yes. Why? I think it's something that everyone has their own interests. So, like, this is a perfect example, actually. So, I, you know, I think it's been told on here multiple times. I, I play World of Warcraft. I very much enjoy it. So, I like a lot of the fantasy type of games. Um but specifically, I have been kind of in this place where I've only played WoW, and I don't really play much other games. Other than when, like you and me play some video games that sure. are kind of mo- like uh, co-op. Yes. So, and they're kind of like puzzle games. Those are a lot of fun, like the Wish You Were Here series and all yes. those. Um, but uh, no,
2: no, no, not Wish You Were Here. That, uh, um, we Were There. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We Were There. That's what it is. Yeah. Wish, wish You Were we- Here was the... En- Enigma Emporium, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> really so, close to name. Really close to name. I'm yeah. sorry about that. But uh
1: Yeah. So recently I've been getting into a game or I'd, I'd seen a game for a long time that I kind of held off on, which was called Hades. It is a, it's a, it's a dungeon light, like dungeon crawler, uh, roguelike kind of game. Uh, and the pure theme of it is that you are the son of Hades and you are trying to escape hell. And there's a lot more to it, learning why you are, and you learn a lot more narrative feedback, but the game is all Greek mythology. Yes. You, you interact with other gods and, you get power ups because it is a dungeon crawler, roguelike. Um, there's progression system, a lot of things. But like the whole point I wanted to play was I had heard good things, and it was Greek mythology, which is one of my favorites. You and you love that stuff. I, I love Greek mythology. So when I played it, I've I bought it a week ago. I have like 42 hours in the game. Please don't judge me too much, uh, but I've been <laughs> playing it out of my mind, and I, I loved every minute of it. But that's like that's just a perfect example, right? There are some games I look online and I'm like. Uh, it's a, it's like, like horror types of, uh, games or movies and stuff. Like I'm not a big fan of just personally, but you know, there's people who love that. And so that like, you know, I think one of the biggest things that could go for this, or I think you'd agree is like the whole murder mystery, like hunt a killer, the unsolved case files. Those are extremely popular. A lot of people really like that stuff. And I just, I think for me to wrap it all up. I think theme matters a lot in my decision-making.
2: That's interesting. I think theme definitely plays a factor for me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not, uh, it's not the sole driving force. Like you mentioned like Hades got good reviews. So that intrigued you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually, I absolutely think it matters. Like the point I'm trying to drive here and what I think is it kind of determines who your audience might be. Yes. Primarily. Right. Because, Um, Hinks is not the game we're talking about. It's not some intense storyline. Yeah. It's, it's something that is simple and sweet and pure almost. Mm -hmm. And to me that says a wide audience based versus some of these other games like Hades, just because of the name Hades may be a turnoff to some people. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas Hinks, because they've chosen to go this route could have different appeal so it's it's really interesting in my perspective to see the factors that determine what we play yeah and theme in all of the conversations I have escape rooms let's mm-hmm. talk, let's talk about that oh, like, like abs- it, it that is the largest factor to me for where I'm at hundreds of games into escape rooms Unle- un- unless I've heard like this is the most uh, amazing really good thing yeah about it. like right now if you're like hey let's go play a, a jail game I'm like,
1: you know, how many, you know how many prison break escape yeah, I, rooms I've I, played?
2: No prison can hold me. Like this is I've broken it every time. Yeah, but if you're like, hey, there's this new um, Bermuda Triangle um, crashed plane game, I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this weekend, uh, I'll give a shout out. I'm going to play. There's a new game at the escape game mm-hmm. called Depths, and it's an underwater laboratory.
1: That's actually And cool. that's
2: an intriguing theme to me, so we're going to go play that. And... That So I do think theming does play a major role. Your story, it affects your target audience. And I think we need to be, just as a community, thinking about that. Because Hink seems to be uh, one of the more broader appeal Mm -hmm. games out there, just in our opinion. I feel like we have a lot of intensity to our games. And that's not a bad thing. But I think as we try to reach larger and larger markets and maybe we can phase this into a second question is um, do you think we have more broad based themes or more niche themes in the world that we cover?
1: It's interesting. I, I think it's hard. I in specifically, I think in the at home puzzle space, I think a lot of games have a, hmm, I feel like some of them do have niches. I think they do go into categories of like fantasy you know, some go into, like, the murder mystery. Yep. Like, you can see there are clear indications that a company does this and a company does this. Like, it doesn't feel like there's, like, like you know, like, Hinks. Uh, there's just some games where you can tell, like, they're more broad. Like, Flashback, yes. right, it was another one where yes. that was a game that was just well done in terms of, like, it's just simple and it's kind of for everyone. It's something that everyone can relate to. Yes. But when you play, like, you know, a, a certain type of game and it's a it's a murder mystery. You know, that's not for everyone. Some people just don't like that. And it feels like it's kind of, but I mean, you could technically relate it to anyone. Sure. And and, and a
2: lot of people clearly love that stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just, um, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I just, if you ask me my opinion, I think it is there are more niche than there are more widespread types.
2: I think that's, I think that's true. Like I, and it's almost like, um, I understand that mystery lends itself traditionally more towards i don't know if darker themes is the right term but more maybe more adult content agreed um and that and i think that's the point i'm coming at from is i think i just see such an opportunity with younger players right and if you can get at kids with some of these games or families with some of these games then not only are you opening the market up more to people but you're maybe potentially creating lifelong players from a younger age. Mm -hmm. So when I look at a game like Hinks from like a business perspective, I'm thinking like this game has so much potential Mm -hmm. if if it gets out there um, more than it already is, which I hope it does. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's the perspective I'm coming out there is because if I'm looking at the room around the room, at a lot of the games that we've played, there's, you know, there can be like, you know, intrigue and murder and betrayal. And, and some of those things just feel like only a certain, maybe a certain uh, interest person will go after that type of thing. And it was just interesting. It just struck me a lot with this game that like, oh yeah, anybody could identify with this. Like this, this, the theming of this game just felt more universally accepted. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, then some of the other themes where, you know, well, kids can't, like, we shouldn't let kids play this. Mm-hmm. Or, um, oh, so-and-so wouldn't like that. I'm, like, I'm like trying to imagine the person that I play Hinks with and they didn't have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm coming at with that. But another question for you. Okay. Because what I'm trying to do with all this is gauge the level of importance that theme plays in our game choosing. Mm-hmm. Would you rather play just an amazing game with a theme that you just are sick and tired of, or just not your cup of tea or a decent game of a theme that you absolutely love.
1: Ooh. Okay. I think I would rather play an amazing game, even if it didn't have the greatest theme that I enjoyed. Um, just because I think an amazing game can make up for the interest that you have in a theme, right? Like, you know, there are games that we'll play that we have played that the, like the theme, if you told me that and nothing else about it, I'd be like, it's not like my cup of tea, but I'm interested in trying it. And then we play and I'm like, oh, holy crap. Like I, I really enjoyed it. The, you know, and I look back and I'm like, oh, well, you know, the story was kind of like whatever to me, not, not to be mean to the, the game, but it's just, you know, like my, what I like is not that, but the game made it so worth it. Yes. Right. Um. So in that question, yeah, I think i played a game that is better, but has a theme that I don't like as much than a good theme that I thought, or like the game was decent, but the theme was more, I liked.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I I think give me like if it is critically acclaimed and everybody's saying you got to play this game and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'm not a big aliens fan, you mm-hmm. know, like I can shelve that because yeah. maybe there's something about that game that can bring interest. Oh, agree in, in their thing. One story that I think about um this takes me back to college is one thing about movies is I generally do not like dramas. Mm-hmm. I will go to every comedy. I will watch a mystery, but that drama middle ground is not my cup of tea sure. at all. So when I was in college, my friends begged and begged and begged me to go see *Slumdog Millionaire*, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that much about it. I didn't want to see it, but they're they're like, "Oh no, it's it's going to be really great." And I just kind of poo pooed on it, and then they finally got me to go see that movie, and that's a really freaking good movie in my opinion. Yeah. And, and and that's because it's a really well done, excellent, great movie. Mm -hmm. And, and I look back at that and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I just, I need to stretch, like, I got to stretch my horizons a little bit. So I'm with you. I don't think theme is the end all be all deciding factor Mm -hmm. in it. Where would you, final question for all of this is where would you rank it? Like, what is your number one criteria? What is your number two, three, four criteria? And how does that, how does that play out?
1: That's an actually a very hard question, I think. So how would I rate my interest in a game? Like yeah. like what aspects really feed into it? Yeah, so, like
2: if we're talking about like price, length of game, theme, how well it's been spoken of, those type of factors, how do you decide like what is your...
1: Okay, so for me, I think it is reputation of the game. is
2: number one. Yeah,
1: I think you could sell me on any game if if it has enough good reviews. Even if it's like a, it could be Princess Fairy Adventures, you know, <laughs> for Barbie. But if literally everyone gave it a five star and was like, "This is the greatest game I ever played," I'd play it. Yes, right. And not not saying those games aren't good. I'm just, you know, but that's just you know, that's not my cup of tea. If you ask me to play a princess game, um, but you know. I mean, if you could sell it on me, that's, that's awesome. So then the next thing would be theme. I think theme is a good factor. It's something that will always drive some interest. And then after that, it's usually like, like, so sometimes for me, it's like, if I find like, Oh, there's this Greek mythology game, right. I go and look at it. And then if it has really good reviews, like it just instantly, like, you know, that's like, like, so that's the bigger sells. Like once I find the theme I like, and then someone agrees and says, Oh, this is like the most, the best game I've played a whole year. You're like, okay, deal. So those are like my two big ones. And then it would be like uh, game time because generally I like playing games that I do have to invest into, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean I've, I've played like 11 years, 12 years of World of Warcraft. <laughs> so uh, if that doesn't say anything, then uh. – um, And then the final thing would be price. I think price obviously does matter to people. I mean, you know, money ain't free. Um, so, but generally like a good game, I would save money to play. Like if you're yeah. like, hey – this game is going to be one of the best games ever, but it's going to cost you like 200 bucks. I'm like, mm, I can I can save a little bit of money for
2: it. We can make that work. Yeah. I'm I'm our number one's line like I I want to know that I'm about to play something that's worth my time. Agreed. So that's where the critical acclaim comes in. And then honestly the second one for me is price. Okay. I'm cheap. Like I'm oh, just, that's true. Yes. I, like I'm just going to throw it out there like because I it price to me is making a value statement on your game true. in terms of what it's worth financially and the like maybe what I'm gonna get once I open that box
1: that is very true so'm yeah.
2: I'm, I'm always thinking through price and honestly theme theme is the third and then time is a fourth okay um and, and, and it's funny because I, I think I'm my personality is like okay I'll, I'll give anything a try. Mm-hmm. Like I may, um, you know, I may love, uh, it's, it's like Scooby-Doo. Like I'm a place sc- like we're going to get to play the Scooby-Doo game coming up here. Not far from now. Yeah, And that's like exciting. Cause Scooby-Doo is the bomb, but it's not those first two are more of a factor to me than anything else in theming. While I do think it is important and it can determine who is and who isn't in your market. For me personally, those other two factors are a little more as it, are people talking about this? Is this going to be both worth my time and the number two worth my money? Because um, those are those are important factors with where I'm at in life right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have a whole lot of either. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
1: it's funny. The more you talk about it, the more <laughs> I agree with you, more than my own statement. Just because the more I think about it, uh, my biggest sell anytime is that when I see a video game or like uh, a movie or something, then I'm like, I'm like, okay, especially video games, I feel it's the most on there will be a game that I find interesting, but I see it's sixty dollars, and I'm like, uh, do I really want to pay sixty dollars for like a six hour, like experience that I might not actually like really care to play? Yeah, uh, price definitely plays a huge factor it into does. a lot of people. Like I said, it, it you know, everyone earns their money. It's not like you know, I don't. Unfortunately, I know puzzling company seems like we make four quadrillion dollars a year.
2: We do make quite the quadrillions.
1: Yes, uh, but currently. I, I went to Sonic today, and I only got a small burger because I felt like that was the smart thing to do with my money. So if that tells you how I truly feel, that's how I feel.
2: I feel like there's a lot of listeners out there, even though, you know, we are wild. All probably wildly in debt with all of the games that we buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, you know, I, I feel like credit card debt in terms of games, un- unplayed games mm-hmm. <laughs> for most of us is probably what's getting after us. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's just it's it's funny how much that plays a role. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, for the game that we're talking about, I believe this game is around $30. Mm-hmm. Like, everything about this game just makes it so easy to pick up. And, oh, great. And, and I think you should. Mm -hmm. Um, we just enjoy talking about the minutia and the ins and out of all of these different games. It's it's fun. It's just really interesting to see at the intersection of what we get to talk about on a weekly basis, like why things are working the way that they're working. Mm -hmm. And theming is one that we just don't talk about that much in terms of why it matters to us. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. We're we're, in coming up weeks. We're going to get to play a, a wide variety uh, of themes and then we're actually a little spoiler alert for the future gonna go on a little bit of a murder mystery binge oh for a while which is something we haven't done for the first part of our show mm-hmm. but uh, be looking forward to that if you're into if you're a crime fan mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna we're we're coming the jared and zach detective agency is gonna be wide open for business oh,
1: that i can't wait <laughs> jared will tell you my my detective skills are some of the funniest things to watch because it is like the expressions that I make on my face when I'm
2: doing all the math in my head is probably one of my favorite things ever. And it, I just, I just feel like we get into it because like we'll be talking and then someone's like, wait, wait, it's this. And my favorite phrase that Zach has is, you know, all of the information says this, but my Scooby-Doo sense is, <laughs> is, is telling me that it's definitely this guy. Yep. So be looking forward to that. We're looking forward to being some really cool crime games by some really cool creators coming up. Mm -hmm. That's going to wrap us up for Puzzles to the People. Hang on. We're coming right back at you.
0: There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators.
2: Dude, I played the best game last night. Um,
1: Jared, I thought we played all our games together.
2: Well, well, traditionally we do, but this game was designed to be played by yourself. It's called Box One and it's a new game from Neil Patrick Harrison Theory 11.
1: Jared, I'm hurt. What am I supposed to just believe that there's clearly this made up story of a game that's meant for only one person? And you couldn't even come up with something more clever than just Box One. Okay, you know what? I'm done. Call me when there's a Box Two.
2: Well, if you're not salty and you're looking for a truly awesome single player experience, Head to your local Target to pick up Box 1. If you don't have or know what Target is, beg Angela Lawson Scott to ship you a copy internationally. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. This is Questions for Creators. And as always, we have the creators of the game on our show and get to ask them some interesting questions, mostly about where they're coming from, where they're going, and what games that they're playing And today we have the lovely creators of Bluefish Games on our show. And I'm just going to hop on in and I want to start talking to them because I really like both of these people. Yes, let's let's go straight into it. Let's do it. So can you guys tell us your names and what you were doing before Bluefish Games?
3: Well, uh, we're Ace and Anna from Bluefish Games. Um, We uh, kind of have... uh, Uh, a history that's all over the place so we got in we you know i've been playing board games for a long time and that's a big part of where we come from but uh the two of us together really started our history in escape rooms so Um, we have played something like 500 escape rooms now, a thousand if we weren't staying home for the last year, but, uh, um, we're looking forward to getting back into those and, uh, really what, what we love is going in and, and, you know, discovering something new and finding a new way of looking at, especially puzzles, you know, Mm -hmm. set design is great. Uh, the theme is great, but the, the rooms that really draw us in are the ones where we can exercise our minds a little bit Mm -hmm. and, uh, kind of merging those two ideas together, that that of escape rooms and board games. Uh, I think we were on a vacation once where, we're, you know, we're taking a long drive uh, to a board game convention. And uh, we we started asking each other, like, I think we had just played Unlock. And we said, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- that was a lot of fun, but here were a couple of shortcomings. How can we do better? I I, I bet that we could, and we started, thinking about it and planning different things and we came up th- with this idea that we pursued for a while um, we're kind of on pause for right now uh, so we won't talk about it too much <laughs> we uh, um, we we started, Creating games from that, and uh, we realized quickly that we don't want to just be in, in that zone. Uh, we also want to uh, to work on, uh, you know, proper escape rooms. So we had, you know, escape, an escape room in our garage for a couple of months that our family played through. Um, we've done some consulting on physical escape rooms. We've, uh, like I said, worked in the, tried to get into the board game uh, sector of things. I
0: mean, there are great, great games in that sector, puzzly board games. I mean, there's just so many games that have different aspects. What I was thinking while you were talking of, like, we have done a lot of different things. And that's because we've found that our vein of why we love escape rooms and why we love board games are kind of very different experiences. So when we started to make an escape room board game, we couldn't just make it for the same reason that we loved escape rooms because we love to win. We want to crush everyone's time. We want a room that has nothing in it, no narrative, no props. We just want puzzles that are so solid so we can crush them all. and beat everyone's score, (laughs) and then leave and be like, yeah, (laughs) because we communicate, we we I don't know how long we were dating before we played our first escape room. And it was terrible. I mean, the, the room was good, but <laughs> we were terrible. We didn't even get into the last room it was. And so playing these escape rooms together was very fun. And it was like these exercises and communication. And now when we play an escape room, it's just like, I throw you this and you throw me that. and Oh, it's that type of puzzle. So you go do that. And that's like what we find the most fun. So that when we actually go to an escape room, that's like, okay, now this one has an amazing set. There's a really cool narrative through it. We have to switch to a different mindset because you don't want to just be out as soon as you can. You want to experience that world, but it's, it's, it is a different experience. So then when we started making uh, the at-home ones, Um, like Ace was saying, our first project that really it just had a, a major flaw that we couldn't get past. So we just had to reshape it. But we thought to ourselves, one of the things that we don't love is when we play a room an escape room at home and we get a score at the end and it's based on our time because there was no game master there to give us the perfect hint at the perfect time like i took three hints that didn't count because we didn't need it and so now our score is affected so it's just not that same feeling of like oh we crushed that unless you're doing like a timed puzzle hunt like real time that is competing against other teams right then who have the exact same information. And so since we weren't doing that type of thing, we knew if it's an at-home experience, there's really no reason for our games that we should time them because we, you know, we're at home, we don't have a time limit. Nobody needs to kick us out of this room. Like what what is going to bring fun to this experience when it isn't the time limit, when it's not crushing that, bringing the fun. And so, but not everybody wants that in a game. And so there are different types and mass market just has a completely different like area and that it needs to meet. Like we have seen that a lot and like what our experienced puzzlers want and what something that someone who's never puzzled before will even think about picking up. is just so different. And so where mass market just might not meet what we've been looking for, I don't, Like to get back to it. (laughs) Why I was like, "Mm -hmm."
1: (laughs) what were your goals when you started the company?
0: Yeah, I think that is um a funny question because when we started out, well, we wanted when I met Ace, he was working on a board game. And it wasn't a puzzly board game. It was a a board game about game night. It was like this meta. (laughs) Like you're like choosing the games that you're going to play and you need votes for, you know, the meeples count for how many votes that your game has because you want your game to get played on game night. And so just a few weeks into dating, he was like, so I have this game and it doesn't have art. And I know that you can do some graphic design stuff. Do you want to maybe, you know, make make, uh, make some pictures for these cards. And I'm like, well, I don't draw anything, but I can, I can work some stuff together. And so we started taking that game to conventions. And so really the dream started back then. I mean, back when you and your friends were, you know, dreaming about like, what if we made a board game? And then you kind of took that. I mean, you went like on your own from California to Florida to a game convention, right? Just on your own to, you know, take these cards that had no art and laminate them at midnight before the day before. And so when I met you, you were kind of already in that genre. And I mean, I've just loved games for forever. Me and my friends used to play, you know, Nancy Drew PC games. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so we've both been gamey and puzzly forever. And then when we started working on that board game together and then we started playing escape rooms together, like the dream has always been like, Oh man, wouldn't that be cool to do a Kickstarter, to make a game. And then we started playing escape rooms. Wouldn't it be cool to make an escape room game? Yes. That would be the best. Um, and it, it's always just been this like, pipe dream that we wanted to create into a reality. But then, um, I left my nine to five to pursue things in this puzzly arena and actually started more so going to the corporate side of things. Uh, because I was like, well, there's no way that we can just do all of this fun. Like our pipe dream. We can't make that come true like now that's going to have to be like later. We can't just focus on the fun stuff. I'll have to do this corporate stuff first And then one day when we were on a road trip, this seems to happen. Ace was like, so I have this idea about a game and I think we should kickstart it um, in three months. And I was like, are you crazy? We have been looking into Kickstarters. I've been researching. I've been reading books. I've got timelines drawn up. This stuff takes you know, I I want to plan ours and then launch in a year and then the fulfillment will be a year after that. And I was like, no, I, I've got this idea and I, I think we should just go for it. And I think we should keep it small so that we can fulfill in just a few months and just see what happens, test the water, see, you know, what Kickstarter is like before we get into, you know, the, the bigger projects that we want to do. And I was like, you are crazy, but I'll do it. <laughs> And so that was the elevator and it was insane. The amount that was, I mean, everybody goes through that when they do a Kickstarter, but we really wanted to keep to our schedule because of, um, we said December. And so so many people bought it for Christmas presents and we knew that we had to keep to that schedule. We couldn't push it back. And so it was craziness, but then we, uh, we set it out and even then I was still doing the corporate stuff because I was like, well, that was fun, but we gotta just stick to the corporate. But the more and more that people have received the game and, and like you said, they, they have fun. There's some joy in it. We're like, hey, wait a minute. This, you know, super quick project that we did you know, maybe there's more here. Maybe we can expand on this world. Maybe we can, you know, get an actually good looking box to put it in and, you know, make a thousand copies and really get it out there and then make the stairs and do a spinoff with the Gazette. And and so much that we're like, have these other projects in our minds that we want to work on because now we're like, wow, this, we can actually sell this stuff. People will buy this. This is, we can do this. Um, but we have a lot of Hinks work to do that all these other projects now that we're like, Oh, I want to work on that. I want to work on that. Uh, I mean, we love the world of Hinks. And so we want to keep going with that for a while. Uh, but there's, I mean, there's just a lot that we want to do so much so that we don't think about corporate <laughs> at all anymore. <laughs> and We're just focused on the fun stuff, which is crazy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that uh, like, why did we get into this? Uh, I think, or at least why we do, we develop puzzles the way that we do right now is because we want to um, create games that we would like to play. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's really a, a major tenant of everything we do during development is do, do I think that this particular part of this puzzle is fun? And so many times we've been working on the Gazette or um, one of our weekly puzzles or something like that, and we'll get you know, what feels like 90% of the way through a puzzle and we'll look at each other and be like, this isn't fun, right? Like, I don't want to play this anymore. You know, p- partly that's from playtesting so many times that, you know, you see the same right. thing over and over. But also that realization of like, why Why am I doing this again? This, you know, this particular mechanism is not fun. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not something I would want to do. So mm-hmm. it just it has to go. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's really... I think where we, what we're most excited about is get something out there that we want to play because we love games and uh, we we always want to play another good game, uh, and to see what's out there. Mm-hmm.
2: Talk to us a little bit about creating this character of Hinks and the world along with him. What was that like for you guys?
3: Um, yeah, he came from a very basic idea, and there's a, a little. Easter egg about his name that gets revealed kind of at the end of the elevator. Um, it, it's yeah. very a simple one, but uh, uh, it just kind of grew from there. We, you know, when we make puzzles, we we it it feels like there you can go the straightforward route and say like, uh, you know, I, I want someone to to use a shift cipher to, and, and that's the work they're going to do, and I'm going to clue them this way. But really, every time we develop a a puzzle. We want to ask, okay, that that's probably been done. How can I turn a, a common mechanism of, of hiding information? How can I turn that on its head? And I think the elevator does a good job of that, putting things uh, that you are familiar with the system of encoding and decoding something, putting that in a different light. And uh, the reason that we can do that is that we think like, you know, this is a a, a typical puzzle game thing, but how would this crazy person see it who who, you know, he's off in his own world and uh he we his world doesn't have to have the rules that that our world has. So we can do anything we want there. Why shouldn't we?
0: Yeah. And the writing of Hinks is definitely all ace. Like he comes up with these, he did a lot of the original puzzle ideas for the elevator and then we went in together and did a lot of the editing and reworking and then I came up with the basis of a couple of the puzzles but it was mainly Ace doing that side of it for that project and through through that he wrote these these things and I'm like what what is this what voice is this where did this come from who is this and as it just went on and on you know with the cross words it's like it's it's this guy who would never be mad at you but of course he also has this huge temper around certain things you know but things that that are whimsical things to be angry about like it's it's just uh we wanted it to be very uh fun something that I say about escape rooms a lot when we were talking just apart from at home stuff is anytime we played a game and then we were you know talking about it afterwards or not and we were talking about the theme I always came back to if I could spend an hour anywhere you know, if you can decorate this room like anything, do I want it to be an attic? Probably not. Like maybe you can do a spin on an attic and it's a really cool like retro attic or there's a ghost in the attic or something like that. But if it's just you're in an attic or you're in an office space, I'm like, I I don't need to spend an hour in an office space. <laughs> um, but that kind of it's funny because that has kind of been the the basis of some of the the games that we've worked on for at home stuff of like, how can you take the mundane, the everyday and elevator and, turn that around so that it's a really fun place to be. One of uh, my favorite shows that I finally convinced Ace to watch was Parks and Rec. I mean, the world building that they do there, the characters that they bring in. I was listening to an interview once, and they were talking about their world building, and it's just, they said something about, like, you want to be able to visualize where those characters are even when they're not in the episode. You know that character. You know what they're probably doing. And but it's just, it's just like The Office. Another one of my, I mean, just all time favorite shows. It's The Mundane. They took The the Mundane and they made it relatable at The Office, but they make it like whimsical with Parks and Rec. I just, I love it. And so it's kind of like that of like in your, this is, it is an escape, but it's kind of like an escape of like, if you were going to be just in your everyday life, especially with the Gazette, like in this town, in this quirky town, like what can we make whimsical about the everyday stuff that happens? You've got to go run errands. You know, there's maybe some sort of like event in town. There's, it's, it's just the everyday stuff. And so that's how, how it came to be as I don't, I don't know. Ace Ace really just brought that out of his head. And I don't know how, because I, I look back at some of the puzzle materials later and I was like, this writing is so funny. Like, how did he do that? (laughs) It's (laughs) not that I don't have faith in you (laughs) to write funny things, but it just, it'll even surprise me when I can go back and look at some of this stuff and be like, why did you write this?
3: It's hilarious. Well, Part of it's probably from working late into the night on some of these puzzles and those strange thoughts that you have at 2 or 3 3 a.m. But I, I think part of the core of Hinks is just to be excited about everything. Yeah. And just, yeah. Like it, I I love that the idea like that he can turn something into fun. And like Anna said, it's yeah. looking at something and seeing seeing it and being excited about it when maybe someone else can't. Ace,
0: you know, did all that writing, but then we were, we needed a little um clip of audio and we also needed the video for the Kickstarter. And so we were thinking like, who could do this for us? Who could, you know, just be on video for us, you know, real quick. And I had a friend that's an actor, but he's living out of state and it just wasn't going to work. And then Ace was like, what about your dad? And I was like, I don't, I don't know that he could like, you know, be like silly like that. And not that it's like silly because Hinks is very serious about his silliness, but, uh, we asked him and he was on board and he did the Kickstarter video for us, which is still up there. And we did it in a local escape room and it was so much fun. And now he does all the audio for us and he goes into this inks voice. That is, I mean, it's just, we didn't tell him like sound like this. He just knew like after re reading the writing, He was like, this, this is the voice for Hanks because that doesn't sound like his normal voice. (laughs) So it was just, oh, we're like, oh, that's perfect. So when we need an audio clip, I'll just like send him over the lines and be like, hey, can you record this on your phone and just send it over to me? It's like
1: awesome. For you guys, how do you like handle the puzzle design for your games?
0: Definitely right now, what we're entrenched in is the weekly puzzles and the Gazette. And both of those have very different mindsets for the weekly puzzles. Um, they need to be quicker. People don't have time to spend their entire fr- Friday while they're at work on a puzzle. And so, you know, you want to open your phone, look at it real quick. Ah, I can do this solve real quick without anybody being like, hey, why are you on your phone? <laughs> and solve it and move on with your day. And so I usually just think like, what what is a piece of information that everybody knows that I can then take out of this puzzle and then put it together with that missing link and they can just figure out the missing link real quick, which is very different than how we go about the Gazette, which is just, I mean, it's a monster to produce that every month because have you guys played those, the, the, either the Gazette copies yet?
2: We have been saving it.
0: Okay. I don't want to spoil anything um, uh, because it, it kind of takes a little bit to get into them because they're, they're different Um how they work. And it's just, it's a beast (laughs) to figure out how to make everything fit. Um, And I find myself thinking for those, what's a game? What's an activity? What's a, what's something that you, you do, what's a concept and how can I put that concept on paper? How can you play that game? How could I play soccer on paper? How could I, you know, what's a classic game that then we can twist and make into a puzzle? Um, Because those need to kind of be a journey through the puzzles. And so to keep coming up with ideas that are unique we we really both the theming of every section section and the puzzle of every section we want to keep unique through the gazette because it's a subscription you know we keep playing the same thing every month and so we really come up with those sections individually um and then tie them together because we want each one to be like oh that was an interesting concept i haven't thought about that thing in that way before
3: yeah i think that uh our, our puzzles, um, we, we want to be relatable. So we, we want to use, like Anna said, that concept of something that you're familiar with, but also in a new light, we want to make you feel smart about Mm -hmm. connecting that thing that, you know, with maybe another thing, either, you know, or you don't know, but, um, you should feel smart about what you've done and and then you should look back on it and you should say like, yeah, that was good. Like it's, uh, We've come across so many puzzles and so many games, um, that. Are like we we kind of look at each other and like I bet they thought that was really clever and like clever is like not not like a tricky yeah clever yeah. yeah maybe tricky is a better word for it our our the goal of our game and our our puzzle development is not to trick you like we we're, we we want to be like behind you like yeah you're right there just yeah. just look at it just a little look at it again
0: that's and, what's in our brains while we're play testing yeah. <laughs> and,
3: and it, if someone gets like the worst thing that can happen during a play test or during us watching someone is to see them get frustrated. You know, we, no matter how hard we design the puzzle to be, that, that just means that we failed. That's, that's never a failure on behalf of the puzzler. Um, it's something that whether we didn't have enough signposts to it or, uh, you know, something is wrong or it's ambiguous or anything. Um, there's lots of reasons why a puzzle can be, Bad, and we don't ever want to feel like uh, like we're trying to be, we're we're going against you. Like we don't want to be that clever, tricky guy on the other side. We we want to be the ones who are working with you and like, just showing you something cool.
0: Yeah, and there's a level of frustration that sometimes has to happen but we want to keep that in a manageable because when you're working on a puzzle there's of course the oh i can't get this but we want you to feel like but i know there's something there i have the pieces we really strive to make our puzzles as not googleable as possible we want you to have the pieces we want you to to feel smart once you put them together and if you need a hint our like, ideal, what we are aiming for is for you to take that hint and then be like, oh, yes, that's why. So then when we're play testing and somebody takes a hint and they say, oh, I would have never thought of that, you know, that's the, the frustration that we want to avoid. We want to aim for the slight frustration that leads to, oh, I should have seen that.
2: Now, we've talked a lot about the light, fun, airy world of Hanks, but now I want to take us into the bloodthirsty cutthroat world that is the weekly puzzle that you guys put out tell us tell us all about that give us some tips pointers maybe and what you guys have going on with that
0: yes yes which this is great timing for this because we have been hearing listening asking what people want and then you know making some some feature updates to the weekly puzzle that'll be rolling out soon. Because when we started this, it was like a month into the Gazette. Everything was very like, what if we, what if we, you know, 10 people were getting our email and, you know, we're like, Hey, somebody solved it. That's crazy. That's so cool. Somebody read our email and clicked that button. Insane. (laughs) (laughs) And now like how we had things set up then aren't like working as smoothly as we want them to now because there's just the stakes are high like you said (laughs) you gotta you gotta get that email if it goes to spam it's gonna ruin your Friday it's (laughs) yeah nobody wants that and so it was very low stakes when it started and I was like hey we could put their name in the gazette that would be cool right (laughs) and now it's like the dream to be in the Gazette and we want to put everybody in the Gazette. and We just don't have the space because we have to balance, you know, it not just being a paper full of people's names. And you're like, where are the puzzles? This is part of a puzzle. (laughs) And so we have to limit it, even though we want to include everyone. And so we are rolling out. It'll hopefully be this week. So maybe by the time this airs, it'll already be happening and everybody will love it. Hopefully there's
1: not a ton of issues and bugs, so what are your future plans for Bluefish going forward?
0: So do you want to talk about the the weekly puzzle countdown stuff?
3: Sure. So um, part of the, I think the nice thing about the weekly puzzle is the length of it and is the size of it. You know, we've played puzzle hunts, uh, especially where... You're, it, it is a race to the end, but that race is going to take you anywhere from you know three hours to a week, and uh, that that make we're just we're just not equipped to, to to handle that puzzle load for that long, and it also means you know you get like differences in team size, and it, it's hard to say like to to really say I'm competing against everyone else. Uh, really, that part of this puzzle was. You know it's a small little bite-sized thing it's probably going to take you less than five minutes and uh it's whoever you know has that little aha moment quickest is going to get on the board so we want to make sure uh we've heard that like loading times in a browser is now something that's affecting who's going to get on the leaderboard so we we want to make sure everyone has the same chance and that it's it's even across the board. So as much as we can, right? There are always
0: going to be problems that we cannot fix, right? And we're really, I we struggle. I struggle with that because I want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. I want there to be no problems, but it's just not possible because what one person wants, somebody else doesn't want, right. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. There's only so much we can do with technology, and there's only so much we can do just us too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: continue. So, what we've decided to do is that you should. In the past, we've been randomizing when the, this puzzle is going to go out. And that's to make sure that, uh, you know, time zones across the world are getting the puzzle at different times. So sometimes you might get it in the middle of the night and it's like, sorry, you just don't have really have a chance that week. I mean, you could stay up all night and wait until <laughs> yeah. you get it. You but <laughs> uh really, it, when, you know, we we know that time zones are different. So someone's going to get it when they're asleep when someone else is going to be awake. And that's just a factor of time. And yeah.
0: and why here. we mix up the times and why we don't want to just say every Friday at noon, people can count on the puzzle because every Friday at noon is not you know going to be 3am for somebody.
3: So we we've recently asked, like, what can we do better? How can we improve that process? And we think that the answer is tell people when it's going to be available and publicize that as much as we can. So we've actually gone to the point of uh, this coming week, hopefully you're going to see a counter. Uh, We're going to send an email before the puzzle is ready. And we're going to say, you could go and look at the page that's going to take you to the puzzle right now. And what you're going to see is a countdown to when that link is available.
0: And you can always rely on that same page every week, that same URL every week to have the countdown so you never have to rely on email again. So if your email has decided that it hates our emails, no matter what you've done and who you've talked to, you can still know exactly when the puzzle is going to be available
3: for everybody. So, some point in the middle of the week, every week we will update that timer. It'll count down to the next puzzle, and on Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, you know, whenever you feel like it, you can go and look and see. Uh, it will. It tell you. Know, you'll probably have to do a little bit of math. I don't know if we've got a label for this is the time that it's going to go live. But- yeah. Right now, it's just a countdown. Which. I, we thought a lot about
0: putting an actual time, but I just feel like it's confusing anytime you write the time and then you're like, did the times change and what, Zone am I in right now, and what zone are you in? And so it just seems safest to just say, in one day and seven hours, you know, it will be released. And we're going to have it always on the hour. So you don't have to do so much
3: math of like 52 minutes, like (laughs) on the hour. So making it a little bit easier. Yep. So uh, with that, everyone hopefully, theoretically, should get it at the same time, you know, if they choose to. Uh, Anyone who wants to go for the leaderboard can be sitting waiting on that counter to expire and then they hit the button and they'll go right to the puzzle. So, um, uh, of course there's still page loading, you know, the internet takes different times in different places, but that's, uh, I, I think that's going to be very close to, uh, an even playing field. Yeah. And
0: there've been like some stuff, especially recently that we're really trying to like, to, to problem solve about, but it's just such a cool place to be, to be problem solving things, to get puzzles into people's hands that they wanna play these. Like we've been testing games for so long that haven't been public. I mean, just years of just, you know, friends and family play testing, go to a conference and do some play testing, but to have people like excited and sometimes annoyed, at at what we're putting out into the world just means like it's that's a crazy place to be that there are people wanting to play our puzzles that that much that's it's just kind of mind blowing to us on a daily basis Mm -hmm. um we have a plan for the gazette that um april um is volume two issue one so we have finished the first entire volume of the gazette and so um the plan is to continue with volume two that'll have 12 issues um so one total year it'll end next march and our thought right now should i say okay our thought right now is that the gazette will probably end with two volumes <laughs> that it could always change. It's not set in stone, but it is a very specific type of puzzle making. And instead of exploring, you know, what all can the, can the Gazette do? Can it be 50 pages? Instead, can you, you know, link to this? Yeah, we, we kind of want to keep the, the setup of the Gazette just the classic Gazette and instead move on to a different project with maybe other theming and whatnot and explore because the I mean just the the world of Hinks is such a specific type of puzzling that comes from Hinks's brain it has to be like what would Hinks do what would he think of this what would he say what type of things does he want to challenge people with and it's just very different than the puzzles that you um encounter in escape rooms a very different than I mean just a lot of different puzzle genres and so we really want to start making puzzles and we already have. We can't talk about what we're doing because we don't want to put it out there and then go to a different project and be like, we're going to release that one first. And people are like, well, we've been waiting on this other one. And so we've already been, you know, working on a few different areas that are different types of puzzling. And it's just kind of refreshing to to be able to think in those different types of patterns so but for right now we are just hinks all the way because we want to you know if at at some point we wrap up this world we want to do it in a way where it feels wrapped up
2: and the question we ask everybody what are you guys playing it can be video games it can be games of fellow colleagues and creators but what are you guys playing right now that you're enjoying and looking forward to
3: like we said a a a big part of our gaming pie comes from um board games so we've been playing a lot of board games recently and we try and intersect that into the puzzle world whenever we can so um, we just got to the table for the first time uh mansions of madness recently Mm -hmm. and uh, that's something that we're excited to see where it goes um, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting opportunities for puzzles mixed into kind of sprinkled on top of a game there. Uh and same thing with uh, Chronicles, Chronicles of Crime. Um, that's another bigger mass market game that uh um we played uh a while ago and then we just like didn't come back to, but we uh the the new Kickstarter just came out and they're working on getting the new um like years out to people uh, but that's something that i'm really excited to play as far as uh, less like board gamey type things uh, we just recently played 11 puzzles online Mm -hmm. Uh, that was that was great i definitely recommend that Uh, and it's uh, especially good to be able to to play our desks at facing each other so we have really a perfect environment for those types of games where you're like i see this thing and you're like well, I don't see that. You know, tell me what that looks like. And just the the back and forth is a lot of fun, um, to <laughs> continue that. We just played uh taco Tuesday from trapped and we're, yeah, really? we're, uh, we got recommended that by, uh, escape master. He said, uh, you know, that was really good. You gotta check it out. We did. And it was great that a lot of that same type of, uh, uh, back and forth of I have this and you have that. And how do you put those together? Um, so it it was a lot of fun to uh, to to work through that. We um yeah, we have a
0: lot of games in the queue as everybody does every mm-hmm. time, you know, we listen to the podcast, you know, it's just the everybody says during this question, you know, we've got the queue, what's on the pile. I mean, we're, you know, the same of like we've got so many great games staring at us saying mm-hmm. play us play us Society of Curiosities Scarlet Envelope Curious Correspondence Club Enigma mm-hmm. Fellowship they're all staring at us mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we we're making we're making our way and it's there's just so many games mm-hmm.
3: yeah and we're hoping to to be able to get out and play escape rooms again eventually so hopefully soon we need need to knock out that pile and get that queue down to zero before i don't think (laughs) (laughs) that no it'll never go down to zero that's that's a great thing we always want to get the next game and hear from from somebody else and hear a different perspective so especially Mm -hmm. if there's something uh you know a new theme a new type of puzzle mechanic anything that's that's different is good and uh anything that's uh That we can test out and and uh see something new we're always excited about. So um (laughs) we we hope that our queue will never go down to zero. Yeah. (laughs) They're
2: just so much fun. Yes, they they very much are. They're just really cool people making really cool games. And I'm really excited. I know they couldn't tell us too much in there about what their like super future plans are. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was a little sad to hear that the Gazette is only gonna have two volumes. Yeah, that's because uh, that's a really cool product, and I'm excited to get to review it in the future. But um, if you're interested in checking out and finding more awesome games, just go over to teambluefish.com. That's teambluefish.com, and you can find Hink's Elevator, which we reviewed on this episode. You can find their other game Hink's Stairs. You can find the uh, Hink's Gazette, and you can also sign up to do their weekly puzzle. And good luck. Yeah. Good luck getting. Very much good luck to that. Good, look, look to good that. luck to you all getting on that leaderboard. Zach and I stay out of the politics of of that.
1: I'm I'm scared I'm going to lose every front I've made <laughs> by doing that puzzle. So, uh, I mean, I I'm just trying to be nice to them because if I did it, you know, I would instantly win. Sure. Yes. But you know, I I don't want them to feel inferior to my my puzzle knowledge and puzzle skill
2: we are i'm gonna call us conscientious abstainers yes because of just the raw puzzling talent that sits in this room alone it's
1: crazy you know i once looked at a puzzle in a box and it solved itself before i even opened the box (laughs) so
2: not not a big deal but (laughs) i'm sure things like puzzle boxes they just unfold before you yeah it's crazy we Yeah, that, we'll just put it as that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your solo run of the upcoming MIT puzzle hunt. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that's a I can do that tonight. I'll just I'll take a nice nap and then do it.
2: Well, if you don't enjoy our show for anything else, we hope you enjoy it for our trolling. Oh, uh, yeah. If you want to troll more with us, hey, we would love for you to subscribe to the show. Mm-hmm. Put our show on a regular download schedule. You can find that anywhere else where you're listening to your other podcast. Check us out on social media, just at puzzlingcompany or puzzlingcompany.com. And thanks for listening. I don't know if we say that enough, but we absolutely love what we get to do by putting this out there. Mm -hmm. The people that listen and the feedback that we get, we really appreciate. And we just love getting to chat with you guys. So Yeah, I
1: I see you, Timmy, over there. I know you're you're watching and listening to us from across the computer. Uh, You're great. That's all you have to know.
2: (laughs) We just want to keep encouraging you. But we're looking forward to hanging out with you guys. Do you know what we're talking about next week?
1: I don't, Jared. You don't? Nope. No clue.
2: This is some more games from Over the Pond, as it were.
1: Oh, that sounds intriguing. What could be Over the Pond?
2: Well, uh, these are. we're actually going to be talking again about two games. Oh. We're going to be talking about Dark Park Games. Okay. We're going to be talking about Conspiracy 19
1: oh oh i know their other game can i say the other game say the other
2: game Uh,
1: witchery spell that's it
2: and witchery spell we're super excited about that we're actually going to be spending the episode comparing the games and talking about what makes both games good or and or great so come hang out with us next week but for jared and zach this has been puzzling company see you guys
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.
2: This has been a Media Network podcast.